0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. My name is Chris, lead pastor here at Trinity. Um, Yesterday was my 23rd wedding anniversary, which is kind of fun. We've eclipsed uh, more than half my life being with that woman, um, and I'm very thankful. I was also thankful to see Georgia Tech be destroyed yesterday. Um, For those of you who are tech people, here's a little bit of uh, trivia for you. Uh, you've been playing football for a really long time, but your special team set a record yesterday that's never, ever been accomplished since Tech's been playing football, more punts in a game than ever, ever before. So congratulations. That record may stand until next year uh, when you play Georgia. If you have your Bibles, turned to Matthew. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. I'm not going to be mean, meaner than that. Um, Matthew 24 We've told our kids that you can't hate people, but you can hate institutions, and um, I think that works somehow. I've never read specifically in the Bible. That's not appropriate, so. Okay, okay, okay. Verse 36, we're going to read a really bizarre passage. If you're in the Christmas spirit uh, about to ruin it, um, and then we'll hopefully explain to you why. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 36. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask you to help us to see uh, this, this text and to hear these words and to uh, truly wrap our hearts and our heads around the season of Advent, God. We ask you to help us to make sense of this. Lord, for those of us who have grown up in traditions where Advent was observed, God, help us to renew our engagement. And for those of us in this room, uh, like me, who knew nothing about Advent, we ask, God, that you would invite us into uh, an intentional period of preparation, as Brad said, that would help us be ready to get ready for Christmas morning. God, we thank you that Christmas is coming, but we say in this moment, not yet, not yet. Have mercy on us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Not yet. We're not good at waiting for things. We live in a world where we uh, get what we want. Uh, Some of you have thrown a fit when your Amazon Prime package took three days instead of two. Maybe this week you've been starting that fretful experience. The first thing I want to tell you before we actually dive into this text, this passage, and the passage is worth our consideration. And we're going to, essentially, I'm going to preach two many sermons to you. One is on, on Advent. So the first movement in this, um, this sermon uh, before the text itself is, is we're, going to, we're going to think about Advent. Uh, this passage doesn't really seem to fit. You know, we want to rush to the manger, we want to uh, think about stables and sheep and shepherds and angels, and um, the radio is telling us to think about that. We put our Christmas tree up yesterday, it's telling me to think about that, and a passage like this doesn't seem to match that. It uh, seems like a, actually a, a quite alarming, um, distressing passage about people being taken from one another, separated from one another. Uh, anyone who knows the story of Noah knows Noah, Noah's story is not good news, it's not good news it's 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 bad news it's hard today marks the beginning of, of advent and advent comes from a latin word which means coming it means something is appearing or coming at us coming toward us and the next 25 days or so the next month or so almost leading up to december 25th which is the the feast of christmas the feast of the nativity we're going to be joining together with christians all over the world to try to get ready uh, we're going to try to not let that day that comes on the same day every single year sneak up on us. And it's amazing how this happens. We, we know that Christmas is on December 25th, and yet every year, if we're not careful, we get caught up in the kind of whirlwind of exhausting spending, traveling, uh, engagements, parties, things we don't want to go to, things we're not sure about, money that we don't have we spend to uh, satisfy people that we don't really like. And then we find ourselves cynical by the time Christmas morning comes. And so what Christians have done for a long time is in the same way that Lent helps you get ready for Easter, Advent is designed to help us get ready for Christmas. And so you can actually make the most of the next 20 some odd days and quiet your heart and slow down and ask God for help. Ask him to make this Christmas better than Christmas's past. And you actually have a a choice in that. We have a measure of volition. We can choose to get ready. And people do it in all kinds of different ways. At this church, we're going to light candles. And what I love about these candles is that um, this candle will burn itself down. And then the next week, we'll light this one. And then we'll light this one. And then we'll light this one. And there'll be a big mess by the end of it. Because we'll have been marking time together. You don't have to have magical candles. You can get your own candles and put them on your dining room table, and you can light candles as you eat your meals. We do that in our house. It's a way of marking time. I want to encourage you over the next 20-some-odd days to mark time in very intentional ways. Out in that bookstore and all over the uh, Internet, you can find very, very helpful Advent devotions, ways that you can tailor your reading to help you get ready. So if the first movement is Advent, the second one we're going to sit with what we would call two comings, two different types of coming during Advent. So if the word Advent means coming or appearing, uh, there are two comings that we think about during the Advent season. One is we look back into history at a past coming. We look at the birth of the baby Jesus. Jesus. But we also look forward to a future coming, the return of Jesus. That's why throughout this season, you're going to hear not just about shepherds and angels and the baby Jesus. But you're also going to hear about this thing that Christians have been anticipating for a really, really long time, which is that God in Jesus, will one day return to, to end the story, to uh, bring healing to the world, to um, meet with us and take us to be with himself. So there's a past coming that we look back on, and you have to look back and know about those stories and the events around Jesus' birth, but then there's this anticipatory coming. Jesus will come again for us. And so Advent is, a, is, is looking backward and looking forward. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to sit in the scripture and to um, actually ask some questions. Questions about how you're going to face the season. Questions pertaining to whether or not you're going to let the speed of the culture just sweep you away. And some of us are already in danger of that, right? We come out of Thanksgiving and we're worn out. We're tired, maybe even starting to feel somewhat cynical. Advent, uh, the third thing we'll put up here is Advent is an opportunity for us to acknowledge tension. I think that so often we want to rush to the happy ending. Uh, we want to skip to the, to the um, sentimental bits and I believe that Advent, if you observe it correctly, if you view Advent almost like as a miniature Lenten season, if you will, it would, it would be like a bright sadness, something that um, helps you walk uh, in a different kind of cadence or to a, the beat of a different drummer than what our culture is telling us to do. Like your culture is asking you to just pretend like everything is awesome, to pretend like you have enough money, to pretend like all your familial relationships are just wonderful. And the truth is, it's, life is more complicated than that. And so what Advent does, if we're looking at Jesus being born at a time of remarkable darkness and Jesus returning for us when we desperately need him, then we're invited to live in the tension. We're invited to walk a little bit out of step with the surrounding culture. And over the last month or so at this church, we've been inviting you to think about what it means for you to walk out of step just a little bit with regard to the wider culture. How might you follow Jesus into places and into ways that would lead you to behave and live and think a certain way? And that way may be different from the person in the cubicle next to you at work or the family member you sit next to at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so Advent really is a time for tension. And nobody wants this. We don't want tension. We we want things to be resolved. We want things to feel uh, peaceful. It's why we eat too much and drink too much and binge watch television. Because we just want to numb out. Advent is a time to be awake. And we're going to think about that in a very particular way in a minute when we turn our attention to the text. This is an opportunity for you to embrace some of the tension And a march to the beat of God's drum. And finally, Advent helps us prepare for Christmas. Um, We have a calendar in our house. You don't have to have children to have a calendar. Uh, It shocks me when people are like, "Oh, we don't, don't I don't have kids. I'm not married. I can't have an Advent calendar." Like, yeah, grownups also like to eat chocolate and and have Advent calendars. It's fine. You you can do this. We have a calendar that'll help us count down the days. And we also light these candles in our house. I would encourage you to do intentional things. Uh, Break outside of your head into something more holistic. Light a calendar. Don't light a calendar, that would be terrible. Light candles. Get a calendar. Buy a calendar. Mark time. Um, Prepare. Prepare for Christmas. Trevor Hudson is a South African pastor, United Methodist. Uh, and he has an Advent devotional out. I would commend that one to you. There are countless others. Easy to find. It's not too late to jump in. I would encourage you to learn how to watch and wait. I am more intentional with my, um, the timing of my morning prayer during seasons like Advent than I am at any other time of the year because I really, really want to make the most. I really want to prepare and mark time. And if you think about Jesus is coming, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem so many years ago, very few people were looking for him. Very few people were watching. They were busy, they were distracted, they were sad, they were oppressed. They were going through all the range of emotion that we experience today. And in the midst of all of that distraction and busyness of the son of God was born in an out-of-the-way place in a rural part of Israel and the savior came. And I would submit to you, that God's always looking to come in the little out-of-the-way places. And if you and me are so hurried and worried and distracted, if we're so caught up in the speed of what happens outside these walls, we might miss those comings. Advent is a time for you and me to step back, to be a little more reflective so that we see the thing that God does in your life in the little out-of-the-way places. Where is God working around the margins of your life? Where is he trying to get your attention These are the questions I asked her in this season, and I would commend these questions to you. So now let's look at the text for today, the passage today. Uh, This strange passage begins with an unexpected knock at the door. So let's clear these and we'll start with another one. Imagine having an unexpected guest knock on your door, um, someone who'd arranged to visit a long time ago, uh, but the date of their arrival has slipped up on you. You, you weren't really prepared and they knock at the door. Uh, when they knock, you begin to scatter. And you've all experienced this at one time or another in your house and in your life. Maybe you and your roommates or you and your family, somebody knocks at the door and you're like, oh, no. You know, my underwear is on the floor in the living room or something, and you're just scrambling to get yourself cleaned up so that you're presentable when guests come. NT Wright says this about this text. Let's look at this quote. He says, You can tidy a house in a few minutes if you put your mind to it, but you can't reverse the direction of a whole life, a whole culture. By the time the ring on the doorbell happens, it's too late. That's what this passage is all about. That's why it's so distressing. Because N.T. Wright knocks the nail right on the head. He says that you can fix a house up in a few minutes, but if the whole thing has gone to seed, you can't fix that. You can't solve that. You can't heal that in a hurry. And we live in a culture where we're all about quick fix remedies. We're all about trying to pull it together at the last second so that we can present something to the world around us. We do this. With our appearance, we do this with our family dynamics, with our relational dynamics. We polish up a resume and a flourish because we just want to be able to stick something presentable in front of something and someone else. Advent is about stepping back and looking at your life so that when the moment comes, it won't be too late. And that's why we're tasked to read such distressing passages during A season like this, a passage like the one we read today, this idea that there will be a knock at the door, that ultimately cards will be called when it comes to my life and yours. And what the writer here is trying to get us to see is that Jesus sees these things coming and he wants us to be the kinds of people who are prepared. Now, just a little bit of history People have wondered, what on earth was Jesus thinking about when he said these words? Was he just thinking about the end of times? I, I would submit to you, and most uh, lots of scholars would agree, that Jesus had in mind events that were really about to happen. In AD 70, Jerusalem is sacked and destroyed. Y'all, 1.1 million Jews died in the sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD. The temple was torn down. And so in some very real way, scholars think Jesus was thinking about this in a very immediate way. He was thinking about trouble that was looming on the immediate horizon. And I look at my own life and I think Jesus always sees trouble when it's looming on the horizon before I do. Like God knows what's coming next for you. What he wants you to do is to trust him by knowing that he knows things that you don't know. Now, one of the things that the Bible does teach us is that truth always has a kind of multifaceted application. So on one hand, Jesus is almost certainly thinking about the fall of Jerusalem. He's thinking about like imminent destruction. There were people who were listening to Jesus preach this sermon who would have lived through the fall of Jerusalem. They would have experienced that awful, awful, awful event where people were killed um, in, in almost countless and unimaginable numbers. But there are also other applications. That's the way scripture works. There's like a more immediate one, and then there are these other applications. And so, as we walk through the season of Advent, I believe that Jesus would ask us the second movement in our text for today, He would ask us to be ready, to get ready. There's a clear call here where Jesus says, I want you to get ready, I want you to be prepared. And in a very real way, that means that during this season, you and me need to think about end times matters. We need to think about the fact that this life and our story is coming to an end, both in our eventual death and in the second coming of Jesus. And nobody wants to think about our death during Christmas. And yet this is the invitation in front of us. When Jesus speaks about the days of Noah... He's giving us a clue into what he means. Noah is a story about God's judgment. Noah is a story about trouble coming, about calamity coming, about people being preserved and people not experiencing preservation. And what we see from Jesus here is he says, I want you to be alert. I want you to pay attention. I want you to look to me and learn how to trust me. And I don't know what your life looks like right now. I know what mine looks like. I don't know where God's inviting you to trust, to stay awake, to be prepared, to get ready. I know where he's asking me to do that. And where the season right now would tempt you to numb out. Jesus is saying, I want you to get ready. I want you to tend to alertness. I want you to be a person who is awake. I want you to be ready. I want you to be awake. The next movement in this passage, we see that some are taken and others are not. I would ask you to raise your hand if you've read those um, horrible rapture books, but I won't because I don't want to embarrass myself or you because I I read them when I was a kid. Um, And I just want to say um, this, in case you're into that sort of thing, um, this idea of some being taken and others not. A lot of you who grew up in the evangelical church think those that are taken that that was good. I would almost say certainly in this passage, uh, to be taken in this context was not a good thing. Uh, to be taken by the flood with Noah was not welcome news. It was bad news. And so this is a passage about people being taken, meaning swept away, knocked off their mark, succumbing to sabotage, falling off the, the, the mark. And then those who are not taken are those who remain, who are steadfast. And what Jesus is saying is the speed and the pace and the objective of the world around us is to divide us and to sweep us away. And he's saying, I want you to be the kind of person who remains steadfast. So I would just ask you as Christmas is coming, 20 some odd days away, where are you feeling the pressure that would sweep you away? Maybe there's danger in a relationship. Maybe there are aspects of your appetite life. Maybe there's division. Maybe there's a hardness of heart. I don't know what it is for you. I know where I feel the current pushing against my legs. And what Jesus is trying to say when he speaks about this, some taken and others not, he's trying to say something about what happens around us, that there are forces at play trying to sweep us away, trying to knock us off our mark. This isn't about a gleeful God doing bad things to people. This is about Jesus giving us a look before it happens to say there are things trying to take your legs out from under you and your job and mine is to ask the question, what are those things for me? And the more abstract you are, the more esoteric and philosophical you are, the less helpful you are to yourself in moments of trouble. Where are you actually vulnerable? If your legs were going to be taken out from you, how would it be? Would it be an act of sabotage in your marriage? Would it be cutting a corner at work? Would it be a destructive appetite? What would it be for you? I think we need to actually begin to ask those questions. Advent is a wonderful time to do a little bit of self-reflection and gain clarity, gain insight there. So that we would be the kinds of people who learn to be with God, even in the midst of storm. And that leads us to the last thing. Jesus says, I want you to be awake. I want you to learn to keep awake. So if there's a threat of being swept away, there's also a threat of being lulled to sleep. And your world lulls you to sleep. It's like tryptophan. I have a theory. I don't think it's tryptophan in the turkey. I think it's all the bread. We On Thanksgiving, you know, they're like, oh, that tryptophan, oh, the turkey will put you to sleep. It's, it's like 500 pounds of bread and rice and cheese and gravy. That's what puts you to sleep. Well, there are forces around you that put you to sleep. And a lot of us come into this room and we're like the walking dead. We're, we're sleepwalking through life. And we lost that sort of clarity, that alert thing a long time ago. And just like driving on a road trip through Kansas, if you've got good alignment, you can fall asleep and go miles before you veer off the road. Some of you are in that very same state right now. You're asleep and you're on the road and you're convincing yourself that everything's fine. And Jesus says, wake up. Jesus says, cultivate alert living. Where is God asking you to wake up? I'm going to leave you with this. I believe here are three enemies of readiness or being awake. Distraction, busyness, and compartmentalization. As I look at my own life and I look at the lives of people I love, distraction, busyness, compartmentalization. Here are three enemies of readiness. These are three things that put me to sleep. You know, I think that right now there's a war on for our attention. And I feel old when I say things like this, right? It's like, oh, the world these days. And so I, I will admit that. Uh, but, I do believe that there are um, there are threats to us focusing and being alert regarding distraction that are uh, really in some ways unprecedented. Um our minds, our affections are pulled in so many different directions. And it's not just your phone that does this. I, I think there's just so much competition for your attention in mind. And so right now there are spaces where we're just bombarded. And I've said this elsewhere. I'll say it again. I believe that you are called by God, especially during a season like this, to pull back from, of those, from some of those distractions. And so it might be as simple as turning off the notifications on your phone. Like that's a very simple way to begin to put a flag in the ground and say, I don't want to live dissipated and distracted all the time. I want to be able to think and focus. I want to be able to unite my heart. I believe that you're under threat there. So am I. Busyness. Our city um, has made an idol out of busyness. Um, your your families and your jobs? I mean, what is the most efficient way to declare your self-importance to someone? Well, how are things going? Oh, so busy. It's the simplest, it's almost subconscious now. We don't even have to think about it. Um, it's the way you tell people you're important is to tell people that you're busy. And I just want to say to you, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil in many respects. I believe Young actually said that But again, I digress. You and me have made an idol out of hurry. And I believe Advent is a time for you to step back from some of that hurry. And to learn how to quiet your heart. It's why reading and praying in the morning before you do anything else is such a great way. It's almost like a symbolic way for you to say, I'm going to step back from the rat race for a second. And I want to encourage you to think about how to do that and whether you're willing to do that. Finally, compartmentalization. Compartmentalization. We just recently watched a a documentary about the Titanic as a family. It's kind of the stuff we do sometimes, especially when I'm choosing what we watch. And one of the things about the Titanic that strikes me is that the reason why they deemed her an unsinkable ship was she was one of the first ships to have compartments inside her hull that were totally separated. And the theory was if you compromise one, then the others will hold, hold fast. And what they didn't account for was that when one or more were compromised, the internal pressure exerted compromised it from within. And when I think about our lives, we're just the same way. We're naive if we think we can keep our work life and our personal life and our private life and our public life separate from one another. We're, it's a naive thought because it's the internal pressure that gets us. If you were to walk up and ask Jesus in first century Palestine, how's your spiritual life? He would have looked at you like you were nuts because Jesus only understood that he had one life and I want to say to you you have one life and your life is manifested in what you say and what you think and what you do at work and what you post on social media and what you say and do when everybody's watching and what you say and do when nobody's watching you have one life and you're exactly the kind of person who does the things that you do so am I And one of the greatest gifts of Advent is that we're able to step back and say, I don't want to separate these things inside me. I don't want to go, well, I'm doing my devotionals. I murdered someone yesterday, but I pray every day. I want to be able to say, what does it look like for me to bring my life into agreement with itself? So I would commend these to you. There are probably other enemies right now, other things that are putting you to sleep. At the end of the day, I believe God wants us to wake up. And this is a great time of year to be awake. So we've got time. Buy some candles. Buy a calendar. Light the candles, not the calendar. And let's mark time. If you're able, let's stand together. Thanks so much for listening to the sermon today. My name is Chris McDaniel. I am the pastor here on the west side at Trinity in Atlanta. At Trinity, our mission is to be a people who are growing into likeness. And if you want to find out more information about Trinity or get connected to the life of the church, please visit us at atltrinity.org. Thanks. God bless.